What's up, everybody? Welcome to this bonus episode, Kiss from a Rose edition of Real Chronicles, brought to you by RealTalking.com. I am your host, David. I got the fellows with me today, Ryan and Leo. Yo. Na 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 Batman. What's happening? And as you hear by Ryan's wonderful impersonation of the 1966 Batman and my wonderful kiss from a rose shout out today <laughs> we are honoring joel schumacher the late joel schumacher by covering <clears throat> what some consider the most influential comic book movie since 1989's batman batman forever <laughs> um to, so we're gonna do it we're gonna reel it back and we're gonna look at the production the usual the usual stuff we have our categories ready to go so let's get right into it do you remember the first time you saw Batman Forever? Uh, Leo, what about you? Let's start with you. Uh, definitely movie theaters. Uh, I think this was the first... Bat- I, I, I didn't get to see Batman Returns in the movie theaters. Um, this was my first movie theater, Batman, and I was super excited for it. Um, yeah, I, I, I remember wanting all the toys. I remember that Batmobile, I wanted to have it. I remember, yeah, it, it was a really geeky little kid, uh, just a love fest with this movie. What about you, Ray? I believe it was movie theater as well, and just yeah, wanting the toys, and especially that Batmobile. As a kid, thing it was so badass. For but, me, yeah. same thing. Movie theaters. I remember I Batman Returns was the first Batman movie I saw in theaters, but um, this is the first one that I obsessed over the toys. Uh, I wanted the toys. I remember the glass McDonald's cups too. I don't know if you guys remember that, I, yes. but I, I made sure to collect all of those. Those were fun, and I thought the movie was the best thing ever made. I realized later on it wasn't the best thing ever made, <laughs> but it is still very entertaining. Um, so let's get right into the production of the film. I'm going to not get dive in too deep because I do have a lot of facts regarding it later on. But all I can say is Batman Returns was released in 1992 with the financial su- with financial success and favorable reviews. But Warner Bros. was disappointed with its box office run, having made $150 million less than the first film, which led to the replacement of director, which Tim Burton is now gone. Welcome, Joel Schumacher. And I want to say this. I think Joel Schumacher gets a bad rap for these two films because he was pretty much doing what the studio wanted him to do and just dumb everything down and make it cartoonish give us 1966 batman all over again and that's that's kind of like i think yeah he may you know he's apologized for batman and robin but i don't think i mean it's i don't think it's his fault i don't i think he was in a very very tough predicament and i don't think he was gonna come out there looking very well and i think he did the best he could um tim burton remained on as executive producer now what does that mean for those Oh, Tim Burton had an had thought, you know, to what the story is going to be. No, 
Tim Burton was executive producer in name the way Christopher Nolan was executive producer in name for Man of Steel. Hmm. An extra paycheck because I don't think that I've, I've heard stories about Nolan being involved in Man of Steel. I'm like, it just looks like a really bad Zack Snyder movie. That's all it feels to me. <laughs> but um, nothing about Batman Forever feels like Tim Burton had any influence on. I don't know if you guys would disagree. Uh, Leo, any thoughts on that? Uh, so uh, a, a little bit. I think that there were certain moments where like Gotham gave me the Burton Gotham feel to it. Like it, it did look very gothic at times. Um, that's definitely not a pun. I meant the word gothic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, but like it, it it gave me it gave me a sense on this rewatch that there may have been like attempts to keep it Burtony, so it's not completely off base. But that could have been just someone else's responsibility and not have been Tim Burton. So I know I asked you off the line, I'm like, does it mean anything? Like, did he really do anything? Or maybe it was just a coincidence or just the studio wanting to keep some kind of normalcy, like keeping some of the same actors. Like, yeah, I was, I was very interested to see if there was anything like that. What about you, Ry? Um, Yeah, I agree with uh, you guys. I can kind of see a little bit in like how the layout of Gotham is. But besides that, in the tone of the movie, not at all. I will say the only thing that has Tim Burton written all over it is the psychiatrist and doctor at the end of the movie, who is actually called Dr. Burton. Dr. Burton, yeah. And he has Tim Burton's hair. So that's the only nod I I felt that was uh that hit Tim Burton for Batman Forever. Uh, in terms of the filming, uh, filming started in September of 1994. Uh, Schumacher hired Barbara Lang for the production design, claiming that the film needed a force and a good design. And it still has a little bit of the gothic feel, but you can see the production design is completely about 99% different than the other two movies. It it became so fluorescent and so glow in the dark. It's ridiculous. Yep. Um, Outside of that, the movie made was $100 million, and it was successful. It was made $336 million at the box office. So it's not like it was any failure or anything along those lines. Now let's get right into what's age best and what's age worse. I have I have a lot of stuff from here. Yeah, so <laughs> age best, the opening scene where Two-Face is robbing the bank. I think that's a solid opening act. I think it reminds me of uh 007 movies when they start and they have those side missions that really to open the films that really have no correlation to the actual narrative of the film i think that's what this feels yeah two-face was involved but that mission after it ended that's it you never really brought it up again the rest of the movie so i i dug that um and compared to batman returns where we got a floating uh the penguin just like floating in the sewers of gotham during the credits i think this is a step up um let me see oh batman's utility belt has aged the best in 1989 he could barely hold vicky vale in 1995 <laughs> he held like a eighteen thousand pound safe so that aged really well um manila folders age really well uh the scene i'm talking about is the manila folder that was able to take the acid that created harvey dent and turned him into two-face but the manila folder just like took it and did not nothing bad nothing (laughs) deteriorate or anything like that shout out to manila folders uh chris nolan ideas used 
in the Dark Knight trilogy that were used in Bat in Batman Forever. Um, Batman giving it up, turning it in. Oh. Joel Schumacher got there first. <laughs> uh, what else? Batman falling into a bat cave, into the cave. Joel Schumacher got there first. Um, a lot of female empowerment. J- Chase Meridian knows what she wants. She wants Batman, and she has no problem pushing up on him. Oh gotta give, God. gotta give her credit for that. <laughs> um, we talked about this on our Batman and Robin episode. The Bat March in here is still very, very good. It's, yes. it's crazy mm-hmm. because I think it's, I'm not gonna say on par, but I'd say they're both great. Like they are both fantastic. Uh, I thought the score was pretty okay outside of the the theme, but the theme itself was pretty great. Almost done here. Bruce Wayne's turtlenecks still age very well. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. Um. Oh, Br- uh, Batman Forever also predicted the future of Apple uh, with the Apple Watch with FaceTime that Bruce had uh, talking to Alfred. Yeah, that's true. And this age, well, I really enjoyed the towards the end of the movie when you have the question mark above the bat signal. Oh, I love that scene. I like that scene as well. All right, that's that's what I have. What about you, Leo? What's age best for you? Uh, same as you. My number one thing is the same here as it was back when we reviewed uh, Batman and Robin. It's the Bat March. I think it is underrated. I, I don't know if it's as iconic as Elfman's, but it's it's still you still understand it. You still know it. You still recognize it as a Batman theme, um, just like the little brother of Elfman's theme. Yep. Um, the tech. Bat gadgets are pretty freaking awesome. I think this is one of the times that they really focus on showing the Batcave and all the cool stuff that's in there. Um, the new Batmobile isn't as cool, but it, it looks it looks more futuristic. Um, I thought it was a really cool Batmobile. I love the scene where it scales the building. <laughs> um, I remember wanting the toy, so I was like, it, it did its job. Um, I forgot, but this movie has him wearing the black and gold suit a lot. Yep. Um, and I think that aged well because, like it, 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 it still paid homage to the original, to the original two. Um, I liked Gotham City. I think it was gothic. I think there was some little callouts to the first two movies. Um, I, uh, I think the, the the master plan of Riddler about wanting about people wanting to be inside TV and wanting to like live virtually like that aged incredibly well. Big time. <laughs> Right? Like, I was like, oh, damn, this is actually closer to truth now than it was back then. Um, Bruce and Alfred's relationship is still awesome. All the little subtle Easter eggs for comic book fans, like Riddler's costume, that little thing he had in his room, the bobblehead. Um, so, the, Rob- the sorry to cut you off, Leo, the Riddler yeah. costume was pretty much the first one, not the one he wore at the end. It's pretty much a carbon copy to the 66 Riddler, right? Egg- Exactly. Yeah. And, and he got it from like that, like uh, the thing he had in his um, like the Zoltar that he yeah, has. Zoltar. His... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he got it from there. Um, I love like um, the 75 year old uh, Chris O'Donnell trying to call himself Nightwing. <sighs> when he mentions Nightwing, all comic book fans knew what he meant. Um, I think uh, Val Kilmer as Bruce showing some detective skills aged pretty well. Yep. Uh, but I think that's something that maybe was a little overlooked in the first two. Um, yeah, I think overall it's, it's a fun movie. It's a really, really fun movie. I had a great time rewatching it. And I definitely agree with you on the cell phone watch. That just told the future. <laughs> what about you, Ry? What do you have? 
Um, I agree with you, Dave, with the opening with Two Face. I think that was just a really solid opening. Um, straight up, Michael Go is Alfred. I think he just holds that entire series of movies down, like just solid. Um, just uh, Jim Carrey in general. I just love him in this movie. Yeah, he's pretty solid in his. <laughs> he's the. I think um, he's one of the best parts of the movie. Oh yeah, like one of the things I even point out was the quote: "Your interest was good." His was better. <laughs> um, and Leo pointed out when they mentioned Nightwing, that still makes me mark out even a little bit to this day. I'm like, because Chris O'Donnell is at least at the age where he could have been Nightwing. Yeah. yeah. They could have joined. They could just jumped right to Nightwing at I mean, that point. Chris O'Donnell. Chris O'Donnell was ready for the retirement home by the time he became Robin, <laughs> let alone become Nightwing. And Kiss from a Rose. Oh yeah, of course. So does she's fantastic. Yeah. All right, age worse. Gotham City Apartments. Why are they so small? <laughs> Why are they so small? Why are people paying top dollar, top dollar to live in that? Um, unrealistic Nigma Tech manufacturing. We have this Nigma. Let's let's just do a little time frame here. You got to patent this. That takes about a year. Then it takes about six to eight months to manufacture this Nigma Tech thing. And then you put it, push it to market. In this movie, Nigma Tech was created in about two days. Yep. That, that, that has, did not age well at all. Robin's age, you got to throw love to Robin being about 75 years old by the time he becomes Robin. Um, another thing that's age worse, Batman in costume in a courtroom. Oh, thank you for mentioning that. In the daytime. <laughs> in the daytime. <laughs> why, is he in, why is he sitting there in his costume? Like you got some gum, like he just no, it doesn't work. It does not work at all. Alfred not Alfred being the worst butler of all time. Uh, Alfred not being able to tell the difference between kids trick or treating and adult men trick or treating. <laughs> uh, Commissioner oh Commissioner Gordon answering the bat signal in his jammies. What the fuck was that? Maybe maybe he sleeps in Gotham head Gotham Police Station. Maybe he just has a, a room down there. Uh, a punching bag in a psychiatrist's office. What's up with that? <laughs> Why is the circus on TV? Oh my gosh! Yes, <laughs> like that's like I. I was wondering. I never no, I didn't notice it the first times I seen this movie until I watched it recently. And I'm like, wait, Gotham's broadcasting the circus? Yep, and we live. I always thought because it was for a special event. That's why they broadcast it. I, I, I don't buy it, right? Because we've lived, we like Leo and I, especially, we live near Gotham City, where they have the New York the circus every year. It's never been broadcast on TV. Oh, but Dave, the other part of this is that it's the biggest event in Gotham City, attracting every single multi-billionaire yep. and a high office official. <laughs> It's Gotham City doesn't have many events that you know. You think it'd be an opera, but no. You you know, seventy five year old, you know, Dick Grayson has to become Robin, so it has to be the circus. <laughs> um, what else? What else do I have here? Edward Nigma's red hair. I I guess it's a choice. I didn't really dig the red hair, or was it orange? Was it red or orange? Either orange. It was orangish. I I didn't like it. I think he could have just stayed with the. He had the. The brown hair, he should have just stayed that like that. Uh, what else is age worse? Neon light bills. Oh. Why why do these two faces henchmen have neon lights on their guns? Um 
the scene where Robin takes the Batmobile. <laughs> um, it looks like he's fighting the cast of Starlight Express. Uh, next up, the Bat Smile. I saved the worst oh, for last because there is no reason that he should ever, 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 ever. Whether it's Adam West, whether it's animated, whether it's fucking Batfleck, Bale, Keaton, ba- Batman doesn't smile, <laughs> and that really, it really irks me. <laughs> and yeah, that's what I have. What about you, Leo? All right, uh, my number one is the butt shot of the bat suit. Uh, that aged badly. Um, the creepy Chase Meridian video that Bruce has of Chase, just like fixing her hair. Well, I don't know where that comes from. Well, that's, or what a, he has. that's his rub and tug video. I'm like, I get, you know, Nicole Kidman was, it, it was, is a beautiful woman. Yeah, she's but gorgeous. Like, but, but I'm like, but Bruce has a video of wind flowing through her hair for no reason. And Alfred is like, where is, but where is the Vicky Vale video, Dr. <laughs> Master Wayne? I was like, that's creepy. Uh, I think Chase Meridian as a character didn't age well. You her hate whole, her so much. Her whole motivation is to get laid. Like, <laughs> Like she's a professional psychiatrist, and all she cares about is beating Batman so she can get laid. It's not. It's um, not doing it for her anymore. That's why. Uh, I didn't think the. Um, okay, how, how old is Robin? <laughs> that's that's. I, I'm gonna read this as as, as I. You could tell because I got more and more. I got more upset as I wrote. <laughs> these. Like, I put how old is Robin? Is is in capital letters. The next line I have is no one does laundry like that. <laughs> oh like that laundry f- that that like he's like exercising and doing laundry at yes. the same time yes he's using like his like martial his arts to, like yeah his martial arts to like to uh to to squeeze like the water out of like the mop i'm like no one does laundry like that um and the last one why do the bat gadgets reveal themselves when you said <laughs> there's an intruder alert yes like robin gets into the bat cave the alarm goes off about intruder alert and for some reason the bat cave's default status is let me show everything we have everything we have i i'm surprised i will say this um i'm surprised you guys like the batmobile so much i will say like it's okay i i I guess because I'm a continuity head, even at like when I was like eight years old, um, I wanted to see how he put that Batmobile back together. Because remember in Batman Returns, he has to when he's running when he's driving away from the cops, and he yep. has to, he splits it in half and he cuts through the mid through uh it's like the side pieces of the Batmobile break apart and he cuts through that middle. I wanted to see how the Batmobile looked after that, but no, we got <laughs> we got a brand new fucking Batmobile to sell toys. Yeah, I think I think with the Batmobile, with me at least, it was it was definitely one of those things where I missed the original. Like I missed the '89 Batmobile a lot. Um, but like nostalgia wise, like this wasn't terrible. I possibly gave it more hate than I really should have. Um, and now on the rewatch, I was like, it wasn't that bad. It was cool. It was all yeah, right. It's fun. All right, Ryan, what do you got? Age uh, worse. I have close up on the bat junk. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> Some of the graphics of Gotham City were just horrible because we've seen better in movies that came before it. So there's no reason that it should have looked as bad as it did. Um, Chris O'Donnell needing an adult. That was just not <laughs> necessary. Yeah, like, why is he a ward? <laughs> the fireproof bat cape, which is never heard of or seen of again. <laughs> um, and Longy Karate. 
Yes. Not if so. So I assume when I, you know, if I ever go by you guys' houses, there won't be any laundry karate. We can't do it together like that. <laughs> nah, sorry. Damn, I'm, that sucks. <laughs> All right, so let's let's move on to the trophy room. So this movie did get nominated for an Oscar. Uh, it was Batman Forever was nominated for uh, best cinematography. So I was surprised when I was doing my research for this that it was nominated for cinematography. I mean, it's a it's a, for what it's trying to accomplish. It is a nice looking film. But I was just surprised that the Academy would actually go for something like that. So uh, it it lost to uh, fucking trash Braveheart. <laughs> wow, I I would have given it to Batman forever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was also nominated for sound effects editing, and also lost that. It and what else? And sound and best sound. So it was nominated for three Oscars. Uh, Hold me, throw me, kiss me, kill me. By U2 was nominated for the Golden Globe for Best Original Song, but lost to Colors of the Wind, but was also nominated for Worst Original Song at the Golden Raspberries, which that doesn't make any sense. At the Saturn Awards, the film was nominated for Best Fantasy Film. It lost to Seven. Special Effects lost to Jumanji, and Costume Design lost to 12 Monkeys. Elliot Goldenthal was given a Grammy nomination for, for the score of the film. Batman Forever also received six nominations at the 1996 MTV Movie Awards, four of, wo- four of which were divided between two categories, Carrie and Lee Jones for Best Villain, and Seal's Kiss from a Rose and U2's Hold Me in Best Song from a Movie. However, it just won in one category when it won Best Song for Kiss from a Rose. So it, d- it did some some more damage than I ever would have predicted uh, in terms of of categories let's get to that guy award i went with it's hard not to go with the same guys that we went for batman and robin so it's i went between michael go michael go and pat hingle you kind of like you watch you see them like i actually was recently watching an episode of murder she wrote or matlock i think no it was matlock and pat hingle was the defendant that matlock was defending in that episode Immediately as I saw him, I'm like, oh, look, it's Commissioner Gordon. So I I, I go with one of those two, but Pat Hingle specifically, because uh, Michael Goh was also in Sleepy Hollow, so he did some other stuff as well. Uh, what about you, Leo? Actually, I have Debbie Mazur as my that guy. Um, she played Spice. Oh, yeah. from uh, Debbie Mazur from Entourage. Exactly. Exactly. So I remember when I first saw Entourage afterwards, I'm like, wait, that girl looks so familiar. I'm like... Isn't that Two Face's girlfriend? Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, the other side, Sugar, is played by De- like Drew Barrymore. But uh, but Debbie Mazur is the only one that really didn't make a name for herself, other than Entourage and Batman Forever. <laughs> Batman uh, Forever. What What about you, Ry? I went with Chris O'Donnell. Just yeah, yeah, that's, every, yeah that's yeah. <laughs> you're not wrong there. Detlef Shrimp, Six Man of the Film Award, Jim Carrey. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think this is the first time we've ever done this that I have Jim Carrey in two that I have uh, the same person in two categories. It's... Actually, I put I put Michael Go on this one for six man. Interesting. I think he has less to do here though than in Batman and Robin, but he's still. I mean, Michael Goh's great, but his butlering skills are not. But he he Michael Goh is great. Um, what about you, Ryan? Who do you go with? You and Chris O'Donnell, right? For which one? Detlef Shrimp, six man. Six man, I went with uh, Jim Carrey. Oh, Jim Carrey, okay. Becky O'Shea Icebox Award. Who was the MVP of the movie? I went with Jim Carrey. 
I think Jim, Jim Carrey. Carrey. Yeah. Jim Carrey. I think Jim Carrey is every bit. See, I, we talked about like, I think a week or two ago, we spoke about how we're going to see a Riddler like we've never seen before with Matt Reeves' movie. And we're so excited for that. But everything they wanted from Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey gave them in terms of that's what that's the Jim Carrey they wanted. They didn't want anyone like diabolical or anything. They wanted an over the top, chewing the scenery, you know, Truman Show, Ace Ventura, Jim Carrey. And I think they he knocked it out of the park. Definitely agree. I think there was a there was at one point I read an article that like it, it once I heard it, like and once I read it, it kind of made sense that. As part of the original Batman movies, like everybody was, they kept trying to recreate Jack Nicholson's Joker. So even Jim Carrey as Riddler, it's Jim Carrey as the Joker being Riddler, like over the top, making quickly, like quick jokes, like overacting. Um, Two Face, like, yeah, half of it is supposed to be a psychopath, but it's Tommy Lee Jones as Joker, as Two Face. Yeah, Um, I think. And like, that's, yeah, like and it's not—it's not the actor's fault either. Like, it's not—is that that it's not comic book specific? That's the way these characters were written. Yeah, I think Two Face is—I think Tommy Lee Jones was trying a little bit too hard. After I think he was trying to keep up with Jim Carrey. Yeah, it's and they're two di- two different performances. I think once that opening scene at the at the beginning at the uh, with the bank, mm-hmm. I don't think he ever comes down from like eleven. <laughs> doesn't he doesn't he, he he stays at like pacino level <laughs> he never like it's funny because there's so there has to be such a sense of duality between harvey dent and two-face and there is little duality between harvey <laughs> dent and two-face in his entire movie as a matter of fact i'm surprised none of us put it in our age worse when True. he's in uh wayne manor and he keeps flipping the coin over and over and over again to for him to get the scratch uh side to shoot bruce in reality, Two Face only ever flips once, and that's it. Whatever yeah. the coin chooses, mm-hmm. that's the choice. But in the movie, he just keeps going and going and going and going. And I'm like, oh, that's counterproductive to who Harvey Dent Two Face is. So I didn't yeah. really, I didn't really like that too much. Yeah, when you compare it to the Aaron Eckhart Two Face in 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 Dark, uh, in Dark Knight, like you get a sense of like, oh, okay. So maybe you don't need an overactor as one side of it. You just you just need a go. It's just got to be a dualistic approach to it. Yeah. Uh, and the coin flip was the same thing. You like you see someone that like listens to the coin and lives by the coin. Speaking of coins, I don't know how I forgot to add this too to age my age age worse. Batman with a roll of quarters in his pocket <laughs> at at the end. Well, of the what's movie. worse, a roll of quarters in your pocket or a credit card? <laughs> um. Damn, that's a tough question, man. Um, I don't know. The credit- I mean, he did talk about getting drive through in the very beginning, so I say the roll of quarters makes a little bit more sense. I guess it's like it's like Alfred. He tells Alfred, "I need change." <laughs> so it's, it's funny because it, it with me, what, it, what occurred to me, I'm like, "Oh, so when Batman gets ready to go to war with a particular villain, he looks at his cave and he's like, let me get like my Riddler specific stuff today. Let me get my Two Face specific stuff today. Oh, I'm going against Two Face. I need to get coins." <laughs> it, uh, I don't know. And another thing, how did Two Face get down there at the end of the movie? For if you, if you notice, like you have Chase Meridian fall down, and then you have uh, Robin fall down, and Batman's able to save them both. And then all of a sudden, like Two Face is just hanging down there. How did he get down there? <laughs> <laughs> and why did he go down there? That's another question. 
He's like, I would have fought to live another day. I would have fought uh, to live another day or live to fight another day. Yeah. Um, all right. So that is we have Jim Carrey. Next up is Peaks and Valleys. Uh, who is your peak, Leo? I went Val Kilmer. Um, and I know that this movie came handed. It, it was like between months of this and Heat. Which came so I first? Like, heat. I think I think Heat by a couple of months came first. Okay. But yeah. like, there's there's definitely no question that Val Kilmer's career was never at this height ever again. No, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of that. I went with the same thing. I went with Val Kilmer uh, for the same reasons that you said. Uh, he, I think ninety five. After this, he had the Saint, and I think that's it. After that, he kind of started falling off. I mean, he still was acting, but I don't think he ever peaked again with, like, Batman or anything along those lines. What about you, Rai? Who do you have? No, I have the same as you guys. Val Kilmer for the reasons you guys said. Nice. And then Valleys, you, my rule is always the same. You win an <laughs> Oscar. You, you are you fucking way more than peaked, valleyed your way to a, an amazing career. Nicole Kidman, she is incredible. I love her work. She is fantastic. Um so yeah, she's my valet here. I mean, do you guys have anyone different? I have her, and I have Tommy Lee Jones. Oh yeah, duh. Yeah, that's a good, that's another solid one. What about you, Leo? Same man, Nicole Kidman. Like same thing. It's like literally your rule is perfect. You win an Oscar, <laughs> you probably yeah. That's yeah. This is this it's, is a low point for it's you. So it's so easy too now when we do these because I'm like, oh, who won the Oscar? If anyone, and then here we go. <laughs> we're done. <laughs> next next week when we do Back to the Future, now that'll actually be a little bit more difficult. So, all right. So that brings us to some fun facts. So for the 25th anniversary of the film, I've compiled 25 fun facts about Batman Forever. And number one, Jim Carrey's original idea was to shave a question mark into his scalp. Nice. Unfortunately, it had to be scratched because he was due in court to finalize his divorce. <laughs> I wonder if Batman would have been in suit in that courtroom as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just making sure everything's okay. <laughs> and hurry up. Away. Hurry up. We have to go film. <laughs> and keep away the manila folders. <laughs> <laughs> Number two. According to Jim Carrey, he did not get along with Tommy Lee Jones on the set, who told him that he hated him and his films. <laughs> I heard this one, yeah. That is the most Tommy Lee Jones thing to say ever. And doesn't it make sense, though, because they seem like such very different personalities that you can tell, like, Tommy Lee Jones is all business. Jim Carrey likes to have a good time. Yep. Number three. While Tim Burton was slated to direct the film, Mickey Dolanez was considered to play the Riddler. After Burton dropped, Robin Williams was offered the role by Warner Brothers, but refused due to being bitter about being used as bait to lure Jack Nicholson to commit to the Joker in 1989. Wow. Would have been interesting to see uh, Robin Williams as the Riddler. I love Robin Williams, but I'm really glad I stuck with Jim Carrey. I mean, for the movie that they were trying to do, I think the right choice was made. Yeah. Number four. Val Kilmer and Joel Schumacher clashed during filming. Schumacher described Kilmer as a childish and impossible actor. According to Schumacher, Kilmer refused to talk to him for two weeks. Well, didn't Kilmer have a lot of problems with a lot of directors? Yeah, he's actually one of the only male actors that did not get away with being a drama, like a drama king on uh, on set. 
He actually, it, I think that's one of the reasons he kind of lost the top tier fame because he just be he was complicated with a lot of uh, on a lot of sets. So absolutely, yeah, I heard the same thing, and I know it coincided with like his weight gain and alcohol abuse too. Like it, it, it was a messy downfall for him. Yeah, and unfortunately, like I met him a few years ago, and he can't talk. Like oh, he, wow. yeah, he had I think he had throat cancer and he had the surgery, so he doesn't really speak anymore. That's why if you see him in Jay and Silent Bob reboot, uh, he has he has a fun cameo, but he doesn't speak. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, check this one out. Number five. Before deciding not to don the cape and cowl for a third time, Michael Keaton met with Joel Schumacher and declined to join the project after deciding that he did not like the direction in which Schumacher was looking to take the franchise. In the brief time that Tim Burton was still considering doing a third Batman film, Riddler was only was the only villain that he planned on using. The idea of using Two Face did not come up until Schumacher joined the project. Wow! No, wow. No, number six, Jenny's not here, but shout out to Jenny. Leonardo DiCaprio turned down the role of Dick Grayson Robin because he didn't like Joel Schumacher's direction, similar to why Michael Keaton turned down uh, returning as Batman and Bruce Wayne. Now. Leonardo DiCaprio was only, I think, in 1995, probably like 18, 19. Oh, my Lord. It would have fit so much better, wouldn't have. So you're yeah. telling me if Burton would have stayed attached, we would have gotten Keaton as Batman with DiCaprio as Robin? Yep. That's Possibly. A, I mean, the, the, that's sick. It's so sick. I love oh, that. Man, and, awesome. I mean, DiCaprio was very not just prestige films at that time. So it could have been a very likely situation if it worked out box office wise that we would have gotten not just a Batman and Robin movie, but maybe like a Nightwing movie. Because at that time, Leo, I think Leo just stuck to prestige after Catch Me If You Can. So for about like a seven year gap there, he was probably doing a lot of like different things. Like he did the Man in the Iron Mask, the Beach and all that stuff. So it would have been a realistic thing that he could have stuck around that would um, cool number seven the film marks the first appearance of arkham asylum in a live action batman film i had a feeling i was gonna ask you about that too because i'm like this is the first time i think that we've seen it on screen so i also we also i mentioned before that schumacher's script was very light however schumacher originally wanted to make a much darker more serious film that would more fully explore bruce wayne's growing fear that his crusade to be batman had done more harm than good and that bruce was beginning to suffer from burnout but based on what happened when batman returns warner said "Uh, -uh, we're not doing that you're gonna make a lighter tone movie Number nine, this was the first live-action appearance of Harvey Dent Two-Face in disfigured form. He was actually supposed to appear uh, as a villain in the television show, uh, the 66 show, reimagined as a news anchor who was disfigured when a television set exploded in his face. But the character didn't appear in the series. Fun fact, do you know who expressed interest in playing Harvey Dent in the 66 series? Any guesses? No. William Shatner. No. And any guesses on your end, Leo? Uh, no, got nothing. Clint Eastwood. Whoa. So that would have been very interesting. Um, early drafts of Batman Returns featured Harvey Dent in the film with Billy D. Williams reprising his role from Batman and his transformation into Two-Face was set to happen during the finale of Batman Returns when Catwoman kisses him when holding onto the Penguin's generator. Several elements of Dent's role in these early drafts 
uh, were incorporated to the character of Max Shrek. So we would have gotten Billy D here in Batman Forever if Tim Burton would have stayed and if the movie could have remained dark too. So. Yo, this this could have been one of the greatest trilogies of all time. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, when I was doing the research for these facts, I'm like, I was kind of blown away by some of this stuff because while we enjoy Batman Forever, it's never been a movie that I've actually sat down and researched on. But like when I was doing this research, I'm like, fuck, did we lose out on a great fucking movie? <laughs> did it make you like the movie a little less knowing all these great <laughs> facts? <laughs> it made me hate Warner Brothers. It made me realize that Warner Brothers, that Batman movies were good in spite of Warner Brothers. <laughs> because yeah, you know you did like the game of taglines earlier? Yeah. In, in an earlier episode? I feel like DC Warner Brothers tagline should be ruining DC movie. It's it's crazy. It makes me wonder, and a lot of kudos to Todd Phillips. I don't know how the fuck he got that Joker movie out. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't like hearing all the, the horror stories from Warner. I don't understand how he was able to get that out. I mean, it's a billion dollar box office hit Oscar winner. I mean, it, it, it worked out well, but just crazy. Um, Bat nipples, guys. Bat nipples. Number 10. <laughs> Joel Schumacher's decision to put bat nipples and enlarged cod pieces on the bat costumes, as well as an earring on Robin, caused tons of controversy. It even bothered Batman co creator Bob Kane. Schumacher said he wanted the costumes to have an atomic, anatomic look, while the earring was supposed to make Robin more hip. He also claimed that the bases for the Batman and Robin suits came from statues of gods of ancient Greece. They should be more worried that Robin's going to break his hip more than look hip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it it yeah that that wasn't one of Joe's best ideas. Number eleven, Rene Russo was originally cast to play Doctor Chase Meridian when Michael Keaton was still attached to the project as Batman. However, as soon as Michael Keaton dropped out and replaced by Val Kilmer, Russo was deemed too old to play his love interest, despite being just shy of six years. Uh, Val Kilmer, Val Kilmer Senior, which led to Nicole Kidman, who ultimately played the role, and is seven and a half years younger than Kilmer. Oh, there's too old. <laughs> uh, number twelve, first appearance of Robin in the Warner Brothers series of Batman films. He was featured in early drafts of Batman, Batman Returns, uh, but several rewrites of the scripts led to the inclusion to be dropped because Burton felt Robin's presence presence didn't fit the dark tone of those films. What do you think of that? You think? Robin wouldn't work in that type of universe. The Burton verse, I mean, in terms, do you think Robin is too bright of a character? Yeah. Done. I think he could have done it well. I think he could have done Robin very well. Could have done almost a darker look at the boy wonder. Cause you know, people, especially nowadays, always say like, Oh, they used Batman uses a, uh, Robin has a human shield. They could have really looked at it from that aspect. They could have taken it from that angle. Yeah, I think I think so too. Leo, thoughts? And so I feel like that. I think Burton already had so much on his plate with making Batman himself darker than the Adam West Batman. Why throw another character into the play? Like perfect the Batman darkness, and then maybe introduce Robin later. I mean, he could have done okay, but at that point, I think it's like it, it would have been too much on his plate already from what he was trying to accomplish. Funny you say that. Because I don't think Tim Burton ever made a Batman movie that focused on Batman. Because he loves focusing <laughs> on the villains. Because <laughs> honestly, I think 
I we love Batman eighty nine, but I think that movie's more about Joker's origin than anything. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah I think yeah, you you got top billing. Like it is a Jack Nicholson movie. Yeah, featuring yeah you're right. You're Michael right. Keaton. <laughs> Shout out to Val Kilmer because he was able to grab that top billing for this one. <laughs> uh, no, but Keaton did get top billing in Returns. All right, uh, this would have been miserable. Mark Wahlberg was considered for the role of Robin. <laughs> Is, is he older? Wait, is he the same age or older than Chris O'Donnell? I think he was older than Chris O'Donnell. Yeah. Oh my lord! Why? <laughs> this props to Joel Schumacher here. Unlike Tim Burton, Joel Schumacher was actually a Batman fan. He originally wanted to do a prequel based on Frank Miller's Batman Year One. So at least Joel was a fan. Number fifteen. At around forty-two minutes in the movie, when Dick says he wants to go back to the circus. Bruce replies, "The circus must be now must be now halfway to Metropolis, the home city of Superman, which is, I believe, our first DC crossover line." I believe you're right. It didn't fucking add up to anything, but it was her <laughs> first crossover line. Um, Elizabeth Sanders, who plays Gossip Gertie, was married to Bob Kane, creator of Batman, co-creator of Batman, who was also had a cameo in the film. Next up, William Baldwin, who was also in Gossip Girl, Leo, was, re- was reported to be considered for the role of Batman. Other names that were considered for the role of Batman outside of before Kilmer took the role and Keaton left were Ralph Fiennes, Ethan Hawke, Alec Baldwin, Kurt Russell, Daniel Day fucking Lewis, oh my God. <laughs> Tom Hanks and Johnny Depp were all considered for the role of Batman for Batman Forever. Oh, there's only one name that should have gotten that outside of Val- fucking I would, Daniel Day Lewis. I would love to have seen him. Dave, he, but he, Dave what, what what would have happened to DDL's psyche if he did method acting as Batman? He would have turned himself into a bat. I think that's probably what he would have done. <laughs> there's like he had to. There's I, I don't like. I would just have loved to, to see. And honestly, like all jokes aside, I would have loved to see DDL replace if Keaton didn't want to do it. DDL replace Keaton and Tim Burton direct because that shit would have been the darkest movie like ever. <laughs> 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 Fucking crazy. Um, next up, this is actually the first movie to refer to Batman as the Dark Knight. Really? Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, we were talking about Robin being 57 years old. <laughs> there is a long list of um, folks that were almost cast as Robin outside of Mark Wahlberg. Please say Michael Gold. Please say Michael Gold. Please say Michael Gold. <laughs> so we talked about Mark Wahlberg and Leo before, but also in contention were Matt Damon, Jude Law, Hugh McGregor, Corey Haim, Corey Feldman, Toby Stevens and Scott Speedman were all considered for the role of Robin. And honestly, the only ones that were of age are probably Corey Haim and Corey Feldman. Wow. And Leo. That's about it. Because I don't know how old Toby was at the time. Because Toby was... Actually, no, I think he could have been okay because Toby was in his... When he played Spider-Man, he was in his mid-20s, right? Oh, yeah, you're right. Because he does look young, yeah. Yeah, so I think he probably could have been okay. All right, this is just Tim Burton's silliness. Tim Burton, director of the first two films, would have called the film Batman Continues. 
<laughs> and before he decided on just having the Riddler as the main villain, the original plan for the Batman Continues was to have three villains. The Scarecrow, played by Brad Dorif, also also known for playing Chucky, Robin Williams as the Riddler, and Billy Diaz Two-Face. Once Burton left production, everything changed, and you know we got what we got. 21. The first part of the film was edited extensively to begin with an action sequence. The sequence that we spoke about with the bank earlier in the on the podcast. The DVD fe- features the original opening scene that includes Two-Face escape from Arkham Asylum. This is to lead to Bruce Wayne's visit to his business office and the bat signal he saw there was to meant to lead him to the office in order to suit up from the fight at the bank. This was followed by Nygma's experiment on Stickley. Batman meeting with Chase at the bat signal was actually much later in the film, just before the scene where the Batmobile scales the side of the building that you talked about before. Chase reference to Two-Face's coin at the bank was originally a reference to the circus, and this original sequence of the first part of the film is featured in the comic book adaptation of the film. No no clue why they changed it? I mean, it seemed like you're still getting that action sequence, so I don't understand why they decided to change it. 22. We talked about the toys. We talked about the glasses at McDonald's. McDonald's actually pulled out of Batman Returns after the movie's release due to the dark (laughs) subject matter and the controversy surrounding the film, even though it was a massive hit. Pretty much, they're like, we don't need the fucking penguin toy. We we don't need that duck. (laughs) We can't do nothing with that. Um, Once they they told Warner Brothers that they would not participate in a cross-marketing campaign for Warner Brothers on part three, if Burton was actually still the director. So that's actually another reason that Burton left was because Warner's the, all the marketing that we spoke about with Batman 89 would have gone. Yeah. If it wasn't for the change in director. So pretty much Warner's fired Burton for McDonald's <laughs> at 122 more to go here at 121 minutes. It's actually the shortest live action Batman movie in the series. I, um, I think Batman 66, which is based on the, 66 Batman series was 105 minutes, but the film was distributed by 20th Century Fox. So all the movies from Warner Brothers would be the the shortest one. Now, this is funny because of a movie that takes place 13 years later. John Favreau is uncredited as one of the employees on at Wayne Enterprise. I have wow. some notes here because I think he stole some stuff for Iron Man. <laughs> the scene where um. Bruce is in his office and he like has that slide that takes him back to to the Batcave and he's talking to Alfred on like a, a screen. That's essentially Tony talking to Jarvis. It is. It is. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. So I was, I, you know, Batman Forever helped the MCU too. <laughs> and number and number twenty five, the ending of the movie was originally longer. After kissing Bruce goodbye at Arkham Asylum. Chase asks Alfred if it will end for Bruce as Batman, and Alfred tells Chase that it will never end for Bruce. So, those are 25 facts. Legacy of the movie, I mean, 25 years later, I think this is one of those movies that, for the time, I think it still holds up as an entertaining movie. I used to be a lot harder on it, I won't lie. Um... I used to think that, oh, man, you know, Batman and Robin is such a guilty pleasure. But, you know, Batman Forever has his parts where it's, you know, boring. I'm like, ah, I'm more entertained by Batman and Robin for the stupid awfulness of it and Mr. Freeze. But I think this is 
it's an entertaining, fun movie, and I understand why it made as much money as it did. Uh, Leo, thoughts? Yeah, I think you. I think that's pretty eloquently put right there. I, I think uh, it's still entertaining. It's still a popcorn movie. Like it's still there's still a lot of pros to it. Like I mentioned earlier, like Riddler is so quotable. Like everything Jim Carrey says on this, everything on his script is so quotable. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that. Uh, I may not be as big a fan of Ro- of Batman and Robins as you are, yeah. but uh, I think this was a this felt like a good transition movie before we got to Batman and Robin. Like this was a little bit of darkness, a little more cheese, and then we got to Batman and Robin, which was all cheese. Oh yeah, so much cheese. Uh, Ryan, thoughts? Worst movie that I've seen a hundred times. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, uh, I do enjoy the movie so much. I guess some. My guilty pleasure list. Every time I watch it, I forget how much I enjoy it. It entertaining as all hell. Um, yeah, and I mean it's it's one of those movies that I think you can sit back, get some popcorn, watch it at home with friends, watch it at home with family. It could be background noise. It's fun, kind of has a lot of purposes it's not one of those movies you have to sit there and pay attention to the plot because it's very self it's very self-aware of what it is so and now it's not even canon anymore because with the news that we reported on our previous episode with keaton uh possibly joining uh the dceu as you know bruce wayne batman i uh, dc and warners have officially said that batman forever and batman and robin are not part of the canon anymore So if you look at it, it's a nice little, I mean, two-pack that you have. If you want to just watch some cheese, some awful cheese, and just, like, sit there and be entertained, I think you have these two to sit there at because now these are two self-contained stories. And I've always, honestly, honestly, I've always felt that's what these two movies were. I never really connected them to the Burton-verse anyway, to be completely honest with you. So I think this fits the mold of what these two movies are, so... Um, so yeah, that wraps this special bonus episode up. Next week, we will be back as we look at the 35th anniversary of Back to the Future, the 30th anniversary of Back to the Future Part 3, and we are still going to talk about all the great things about Back to the Future Part 2 and how the Air Mags are the greatest sneaker of all time. <laughs> Until then, see you at the movies. <laughs>